cricket Dreaming about a premiership cup We love our clubs but they never win Two flags in 100 years That shit house if you think we'll be insightful Clever or just well researched to say that's not the case We'll just go out and wing it We are two guys, one cop It is Wednesday the 22nd of July Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup An AFL podcast My name is Will Anderson And my name is Charlie Clawson And Will, we have another podcast called TOEFOP Which is uh, much like this Probably with uh, more uh, insightful uh, AFL chat <laughs> Than we do on this AFL show but it's a free I mean, mostly on this AFL show, we've talked about an AFL player who has barely played a game of <laughs> AFL this season. Like, I think we are the Ben Cunnington curse. We are the extra weight on his shoulders. We've been blaming his new haircut, but it's actually our podcast and the extra heat we're bringing to the Ben Cunnington discussion that has meant that he hasn't been able to play for North Melbourne. Well, that is uh, sort of summing up my point because when we do TOEFOP, which is uh, just a free-form conversation, we never go into the plan, I always have that sort of pang of anxiety five minutes beforehand of like oh what the fuck are we going to talk about but sitting down to do this show i'm like oh it's great this is why podcasts are normally about something because we can actually just sort of talk about stuff that's happened and comment on it and give our take rather than trying to think of a show on the spot uh, but it's hard to keep up with what's happening anymore because football is yeah. going to be every day. I know. Like, I mean, this is good news. You know what? This new schedule for the AFL is great news for our podcast that always comes out late because sometimes now it'll be coming out early. We don't know what time means anymore. We'll be coming out before rounds, in the middle of rounds. Like the entire season's up in the air now. So I feel like this is, you know, when they're talking about which team Mm. This season will suit. Mm. I feel like we're the podcast this season is t- suited. <laughs> yes, like, totally. you know, you look at your other AFL podcasts and they've felt a little lost in this time. They haven't quite known what to talk about. Whereas for us, it's really, we've come into our own this season. I, I feel like we are a pandemic podcast. It's weird too, because when the season went on hiatus after round one, you'd think that would be the perfect time for a show that waffles on about only tangentially linked football issues. That's when we would have our time to shine. That's when the Fox footy podcast and the real footy podcast would be tuning into us to find out what the hot button issues are. But that's when we decided to go silent. Then the football came back when there's actual games to talk about and that's when we started up again, but not talking about those games or those issues. It's no fun to not talk about football when there is no football. <laughs> that's why we have that's why we have summer off. The only fun that we get is not talking about football when there's actually football to talk about. Yeah, I do feel like we have... Uh, I've been going through the mail. We'll get, it, get to it later in the show. Um, but the fan fiction thing has taken off and we have at least four new stories to read we can't get to all of them in this episode we're going to space them out over the next few weeks but as i was going through it and people have put a lot of effort into these fan fiction stories i'm like if this is the lasting legacy of our football show <laughs> that we created a pocket of the universe in which there is nat fife and ben cunnington fan fiction then i'm perfectly comfortable with that if that's our legacy is there a chance that we yeah. could get into the afl broadcasting hall of fame based on that it would have to go to the next level like what's the next logical step from this podcast like so what happens with other podcasts like dirty john or whatever is they get like a netflix you know mini series starring eric banner or something right. is it possible that one of the fan fiction stories that is pitched on this show gets picked up by a streaming service they're desperate for content right now australia is one of the few places in the world where you can film 
someone hears it, maybe it's like an award-winning screenwriter, like an Oscar-winning screenwriter. It's like, well, I don't know anything about this game, but these two seem like two intriguing characters. They're, they're the original odd couple. Well, what if it's one of those filmmakers who instead of making one of the ideas into a film, wants to make a series of vignettes? So their movie is yes. really just a series of like short films all about Ben Cunnington and Nat Fife. Now, I was going to say who would you cast as Ben Cunnington and Nat Fife, but if you did it that way, you could do it like that Bob Dylan film and in every scenario you could have different actors playing the role of Nat Fife and playing the role of Ben Cunnington. Or are we thinking too small? Like, should it be more of a Fast and the Furious type franchise? Like, we have all these different stories and scenarios. Like, the Fast and the Furious franchise started off as like a kind of crime you know, action movie. And then it has just become action comedy. It's become a superhero movie. It's become almost science fiction in a way. Do we, rather than just burn it all in a series, like we just release a series of films, like the BCNFU. So we get to like episode 10 and Nat and Ben go to space. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Or film 10. I mean, why not? Let's go feature length with each one. Okay, so, okay. We filmed 10 movies based around Ben Cunnington and Nat Fife. A series of AFL films. Amazon have come in with some money. They're doing little documentaries about, you know, four of Mm -hmm. the team's players and presidents and these sort of things during this season. A bit of your ESPN 30 for 30 or your Michael Jordan documentary, you know, behind the scenes sort of style. Maybe there's some money from Amazon for us to also make our AFL films, our AFL fan fiction films starring Ben Cunnington and Nat Fife. So, again... Who then do we cast? If we suddenly get a big check from Amazon and they say, go out there, what we need is you guys to attach some big names to this project so that we can actually sell it. Who do we get to play Nat Five, and who do we get to play Ben Cunnington? Who's the easiest to cast? Okay, I'll start. I will start with uh, this person is who you'd cast, but this is the type you're looking for, whoever the modern equivalent is. And I've talked about this before, that Nat Five is the Hansel of the AFL. So young Owen Wilson would have been perfect. He has the surfer look, the kind of cool style, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's not like traditionally handsome, but he's good looking enough, you know, and he's charming, all that kind of, he's Nat Fife. The Ben Cunnington is a more interesting one because, I mean, Tom Hardy, he's already played in Australia and he's played Mad Max. So maybe we get Tom Hardy to it. play Ben Cunnington. That, that's, that fits, right? I think, I think Tom Hardy could definitely play Ben Cunnington. He'd train for it. He'd get his body perfectly in shape. He'd learn how to fish. He'd buy a <laughs> boat. This is what Tom Hardy would do in this situation. Tom Hardy would actually shave off his own hair and go and get hair transplants just so he could understand what it was like to be inside the mind of Ben Cunnington. It'd be hard for the director to contact him because he'd be back on an old-fashioned Nokia. That'd be the only way he could contact him. I say we go a step further. If we're really going to get some budget behind this, yeah. we get James Cameron yeah. to use the technology he used in Avatar to create an Avatar Nat 5. Okay. Oh, that's great. That's great because Nat 5 is basically mm. metahuman. Like no man can be that handsome and accomplished and talented and physically capable and all that kind of stuff. So I like the idea of making a completely CGI Nat 5 and you make him a god, essentially, flawless. Right. I mean, what do you mean, make him? He is a god. He is flawless. <laughs> okay, you fix his hamstrings in post. That's what you do. Yeah. With technology, you get James Cameron to fix his hamstrings in post. But essentially, Nat Fife looks like one of the Navi. Are they called Navi? Navi, yeah. 
Yeah, the Navi. Of course, their their football, their AFL football team, the Navi Blues. We are the Navi Blues, <laughs> the good old Navi Blues. They always sing, and they are blue. So I guess that makes sense. Well, it's what happens when Geelong and Carlton merge. You get the Navi Cat people. <laughs> so you've got yes. So he's playing for the Navi Cat people. But Nat Five looks like one of those Navi in whiteface. Essentially, yes. all you're doing is taking the blue out of the mix, and you've got Nat Five. And I- you know this, right? When he first started at Fremantle, when he was like a, a rookie, his nickname was Avatar mm. because they thought he looked like one of the of the cat people. That's how we get James Cameron interested. <laughs> we get some old things. We say, look, look, this guy has been on board with Avatar since the start. Or do we get Nat Five to play in these Avatar sequels that are coming out, you know, two, two through mm. five? Is there an opportunity that most of the Navi are CGI, but we get Nat Fife in the movie playing a real life Navi? They just, just blew him up blue. for the movie. Yeah. It's yeah. like the Blue Man Group. <laughs> they ring up the Blue Man Group and they say, "Guys, we've got a request. We want to make Nat Fife a real life Na- real life Navi for this movie." Because there's in in uh, Avatar three, there's a game of football. And we need Nat Five to come in. A zero, a zero gravity game of football. <laughs> so do you think, all right, we've got to get the life rights yes. for a start before we can even pitch this project to Hollywood. Who's the easier negotiation? Well, Nat's, Nat is going to cost us more. That's mm. what I think. It's going to cost us more to get Nat Five story, but he's already got an infrastructure in place. I imagine they're already talking, you know, what it costs to use his likeness and, you know, what it's like for commercial deals. So I'd say dealing with his people would actually be quite smooth because they'd already be used to dealing with these sort of situations. Cunnington yeah. is like, oh, he's like Bill Murray. You know, there's only yeah. one telephone line he that just you can get a, him. A voicemail. He has a voicemail. Yeah. No agent. He may get back to you. you can, You've just got to leave a 30-second message pitching your film. You can only get him on the CB radio when he's out fishing. That's the only time he will take calls about it. <laughs> and do you reckon Nat would request, like, um, script approval? Oh, interesting. Um, See, I reckon, ben, I reckon Ben Cunnington would... If you can get Ben Cunnington across mm. the line, I reckon you're sweet. I don't reckon he's... He's got no interest in visiting set. No. He's not, it's not his world, mate. He'd rather be on the boat. But I reckon Nat Fife, because he kind of treads that world of celebrity and, you know, fancy parties and stuff like that, I reckon Nat Fife's going to have some notes for you. That's okay. We can... Oh, you know what? I'm fine with that. I'm fine with Nat hanging around the set, you know, maybe talking to the actor. You know, well, I mean... If there is no actor, if he's CGI, he might even need to come in and sort of, yeah. you know, do some of it himself, like, you know, so they can develop the CGI. So I'm fine with Nat Fife being involved in the process. Okay, but what if Nat Fife, he comes to us with script notes and he says, look, there's this running kind of subplot where I don't know my teammates' names and I'm not really comfortable with that. I want you to change that. Do we stick to our guns and say, no, Nat, like, this is our vision, you know, and we're committed to the truth. And everyone knows that you don't know the name of any of your teammates, so it stays, or we walk. Yeah, I would simply say to him in that situation, we will put as many names of your teammates in this movie as you can name right now. Go. <laughs> and he's like, Michael Walters. Uh, the guy got tackled in the goal square. What's his name? Lurch. Uh, the dude who used to play for GWS, Marty McFly. No, George McFly. Um, 
Does Aiden Ballantyne still play for us? <laughs> I should mention too, um, uh, we got a, quite a few angry messages on Twitter. I went into the uh, Two Guys One Cup account mm. um, after we posted last week's app, and there was a bunch of Frio supporters who were like, you didn't even mention us in that win over the Saints last week. Two on the bench, one of the greatest, you know, uh, comebacks in the history of the game, blah, 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 blah. They were really pissed off. Mm. And to that I say, uh, well, it's a, it's a Saints game. I'm not going to talk about the team that beat us. No. Absolutely not. That's that's. Sorry. I mean, I think, you know, shame on you guys for thinking that we would talk about that. That's what I would say. Yeah, and look, I mean, and if you'd backed it up against West Coast, maybe an apology would be forthcoming this week, but you didn't. You didn't. You went back to where everyone thought you belong. Uh, I, what I like is I've looked up that message from Peter, Peter Quiggles, and yeah. uh, Peter says it like this. Any risk of you two actually mentioning Frio in that win? Two down on the bench, massive lead chase, Fife injured and sitting forward, clutch goal by a young player to ice the game with momentum against us? No? Okay, no worries. Do you think he actually meant, okay, no worries? I don't feel like if there were no worries, he would have sent that message in the first place. Do you think he talked himself round? He was angry when he started the tweet and then calmed down by the time he got to the end. Uh, what I also like is this bit of feedback. Good pod this week, but Samson's mother was told not to cut his hair by God. His wife or girlfriend betrayed him, betrayed him to the enemy and cut his hair, rendering him in prisoner. He prayed, got his strength back, brought down the temple. Anyway, there you go. So we've had two really... <laughs> disparate bits of feedback around those conversations well i think the feedback is commensurate with the content of the show right i mean it does give us an indication about what we've talked about so okay well let's talk about some football should we talk about some football um yeah well you must be very excited i was texting you uh over the weekend the bulldogs were red bloody hot so i sat down to watch the bulldogs versus the bombers and uh you know, sometimes in the past, I've really not liked watching the Bulldogs live, but this season I've got a whole new attitude to the AFL, which is just remembering it's just a game and whatever happens, happens. And, you know, we're all we're all in this together. You know, I watch the AFL like I watch Lost. You know, it's more about the mysteries and what the big twist will be next. It's not about getting anything resolved at the end. And I thought, I'll have a look at the Bulldogs. And my brother, who's a Bombers fan, was sending me messages from his kids, you know, cheering for the Bombers and... And then I sat there and the in the first quarter, it was like the Bulldogs. First quarter was great. Yeah. It was such an entertaining opening quarter of football. It was just blistering. The ball was just flying around so quick. And I, I got the impression that the Bulldogs were squandering in their chances. It really felt like we were on top of the game, but we just missed a couple of opportunities to be as far in front as we were going to be. And I was a bit worried that, you know, Essendon had started to stand up and we were... But then, I mean... Second quarter was good, but that third quarter was magic as a Bulldogs fan. It was just so much fun to just watch that game and be able to relax into the idea that, that, that they weren't going to beat us and you could just enjoy them winning. And they were above you on the ladder when you played them, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So that is the formula. Because I was, what, as it was became clear you're going to win that game, I was already looking to next week to see who you had. So you've got Gold Coast this week who are still above you on the ladder. So that's a good sign because I was like, well, if Gold Coast lost last week and dropped below you, then I reckon you'd drop 
I'd, you drop it this week because that's the that I mean we've talked a, a lot about you know what is the trademark of a team and the Bulldogs and it only feels like it's in the re- recent years your trademark is beat everyone above you lose to everyone below you I mean it is so sad but it's absolutely the case and again this might be the season that works for us because I think this season more than any other season and this is what I do like about the 17 games and I don't mind about the fact that it's all getting jammed together is it suddenly becomes less about wins and losses in a way and you really do focus on the latter. You really do start to look at that idea of going, well, all we need to do is make the finals. How can we make the finals? Where are we? Who are we playing? What teams are playing each other would mean that one of those teams doesn't get a win. And it does actually seem to be much more about that strategy of where you are on the ladder. I can even see over these, you know, 20 games in 20 days and teams playing, you know, in four day and five day breaks. I think that they're going to pick teams based on the ladder. I think they're going to look at games yeah. and go, well, there's a fair chance that we're, we're not going to win this one and it's not going to affect our ladder position one way or the other. So this is the one where we rest all the players or vice versa. Yeah, 100%. I, I should tell you, I was texting also with uh, Amit Baines, friend of the show, Amit Baines. Uh, you know, is he the COO at the Bulldogs now? Is that his official role? He's something. He's something important at the Bulldogs. Something official. Um, and I was saying to him, uh, you know, it's a good win and everything. And I was like, uh, while you're up there, you should be having a word with Matt Rowell, see if you can get him down in the Bulldogs. Oh. And he said, that would be handy, but I think there's more of a risk that the players from the Bulldogs fall in love with the climate up here and want to stay in the Gold Coast. I mean, I'd be fine with that. Like I've said before on this show, the Byron Bay Bulldogs. It's just yeah. the time for, for the Byron Bay Bulldogs has come. Chris Hemsworth already lives here. He's the number one ticket holder. If you can't take the... If you can't get Muhammad to the mountain, you take the mountain to Muhammad. No, the other way around. We take the Bulldogs to where Chris Hemsworth <laughs> is. We can't be expecting Chris Hemsworth to be flying into Victoria in these modern-day pandemic times. He can't risk that. We need the Bulldogs to move to Byron Bay. I mean, to be honest... Like with Chris Hemsworth living in Byron Bay and me living in like within 20 kilometres mm. of Byron Bay, that puts, you know, of their well-known supporters, that's a, that's a cluster. <laughs> that's a hotspot. This is a hotspot <laughs> of celebrity yeah. bulldog backers. Move the team to Byron Bay. You just need to get Julia Gillard and uh, Shane Dil- D- Dillia? Dillia. So, okay, so Julia Gillard lives in Adelaide, so we can rule her out anyway. Doesn't matter. We're not moving the Bulldogs okay. to Adelaide, so Julia's out of the equation at this stage. Shane, could we get Shane? Yes, right. this is a we get Shane to open a restaurant. Yeah, easily. There's, it's such a it's such a foodie destination, Byron Shy. Now I'll open a little mini Maha in Federal. You know, down the federal shops, just like serving a few <laughs> takeaway Maha meals. Yeah, if it gets a couple up. of Biggie Smalls vans. <laughs> Uh, so the cats that we talked about last week, yeah. new flag favourites, no. suddenly not flag favourites, <laughs> proving the rule that we discussed last week is everyone's flag favourite for a week and then you shit the next week. Yeah, so Geelong, I mean, had a bad game and then obviously with Ablett going home for a little bit, they'll miss him. Selwood getting injured. It's Yeah, I mean, this is the season, right? It, it is one of those seasons yeah. where you're just like, you can't really predict what's going to happen. I mean, Port Adelaide at the moment look unstoppable, but like the problem is if like, mm. you know, Robbie Gray and Charlie Dixon got injured, suddenly they'd look really stoppable again. So I think every team's in this situation at the moment of you just 
don't know from week to week. You're an idiot if you try to predict anything. Is Robbie Gray, to bring up a, a boring football cliche, but if Robbie Gray played for Collingwood or, or the Bombers or Hawthorne, would he be a bigger name in football? Because he does what he does so consistently. Mm. Like, it was such an amazingly composed shot for goal. But then you think about, you know, two years ago, that game against St Kilda where we were up with 10 seconds to go and he took that ball out of the out of the ruck and just kicked it from 50. And he's done it like multiple times. Oh, no, no. He's the superstar of the competition, Robbie Gray, I think. Um, I think in South Australia, they consider him to be huge, but... I don't know if it's here. Who are their who are their who are their legends? So Gavin Wanganine, Warren Treadray, uh do the Corns, does does who who are their like who's in the Port Adelaide Hall of Fame? But, Not the South Australian Santa Fe, the, the AFL. Port Adelaide Power, um uh, Port Power Hall of Fame. Um let's have a look. Cause I'd I I would be interested to know where Robbie Gray ranks amongst those guys because, I mean, it's a little hard. Wanganing was a Brownlow medalist and a premiership, dual premiership player, so that probably puts him in a different category. Tred Dray, uh, you know, was a power forward who, premiership player, probably led their goal kicking for a number of years. Uh, but it feels like Robbie Gray should be a bigger star. I would have thought that Robbie Gray is in the top five Port Adelaide power. So who was... Well, give me the other four then. So, Tred Dray, Wanganine. Uh, I'm trying to find if there's a Port Power Hall of Fame, but it's just giving me the Port Adelaide Footy Club Hall of Fame. Well, maybe Podcast Mike can continue searching. Yeah, that would be great if he could. Um, But, yeah, no. I, I mean, off the top of my head, he would definitely make the top five. Him... Well, if you look Justin up, Westhoff, if you, Mike, Warren Treadray. <laughs> <laughs> Fergus Watts. Oh, no, he's from Adelaide. Uh, Mike, if you, look up, if you look up at the very least, the best and fairest support Adelaide. Oh, here we go. He's found it. It took him two seconds to find it. Well, I was trying to talk and type at the same time. That's harder. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. I'm not, I'm not trying to bully you. Um, okay. Here we go. Uh, this must be from the Santa Fe as well, because I don't recognise these names. Bruce Abernathy, John Abley, David Boyd, Craig Bradley, before he went to uh, Carlton, obviously, John Cahill, Bobby Clayton, uh, Angelo Congier. Kane Corns is okay. in the Hall of Fame. I didn't realise it was a bloody twerp Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> We've been president of the twerp Hall of Fame. Okay, let's get... Yeah, okay. I've got the John Cale medal, which is the best and fairest at, um, at Port Adelaide. Okay. So let's go back and we can see how we go on this. So, uh, all right. So who Hang won- on, sorry, just before you get to that, I'm just going through these players who've obviously played in the Sandfall. There are some fantastic nicknames here. You've got Ron Brick Hoffman, Samson Shine Hosking, Henry Kneebone, it's not a nickname, that's his actual name, Alan Bob McLean. Bob is the nickname. Alan was called Bob for some reason. <laughs> Okay, so let's go backwards. 2019, okay. and we have actually done Best and Ferris at some stage. So see if you can remember who the 2019 Port Adelaide Best and Ferris was. Uh, um, uh, Travis Boak. Travis Boak won the Best and Ferris in 2019. Who won it in 2018? I've previously mentioned him already on this podcast. 
uh, Justin Westhoff. Justin Westhoff in 2018. In 2017, a player who's no longer playing for Port Adelaide but is still playing for another club. Well, not playing much at the moment, but is on the list at another club. Oh, I was going to say Chad Wingard, but I'm guessing that's wrong. Think closer to y- your own uh, world. Oh, oh, Paddy Ryder. Paddy Ryder won the best and fairest in 2017. In 2016... Who won the Port Adelaide Best and Fairest? Robbie Gray. Robbie Gray. In 2015, who won the Port Adelaide Best and Fairest? Robbie Gray. Robbie Gray. In 2014, who <laughs> won the Port Adelaide Best and Fairest? Robbie Gray. Robbie Gray. So I'm going to say Robbie Gray makes the top five just based on that. Uh, in 2013... It was not Robbie Gray. It, it was a player who now plays at another club, Chad Wingard. And then in 2012, oh. who won the Port Adelaide uh, Best and Fairest? Again, previously mentioned on the podcast. Oh. Um, oh, Kane Corns. Kane Corns. And also uh, was elected president of the Twerp Hall of Fame that year. So <laughs> 2011, there was a tie for the Port Adelaide Best oh. and Fairest. And... Uh, Someone who's already been mentioned might put them into the you know conversation around best Port Adelaide players of all time, a current day player. Oh, um, uh, Travis Boak. Travis Boak. So he won in 2011 and he won in 2019. Tra- Travis Boak. That's amazing. Uh, it was a tie um, with Jack- tie with Jackson Tring- Tringove. Um, right. In 2010, Kane Corns won the best and fairest. In uh, 2009, it was not Kane Corns, but it was... Chad. No. Oh, uh, 2009. I can't even think of any players yeah. they had. So well, we're back to... Ticket. It was a Hall of Famer, Warren Treadray. We both agreed. Uh, okay. 2008, who won it? Um, Warren Treadray. Kane Corns. 2007. Kane Corns is a triple best and fairest winner. Uh, well, funny you say that, Charlie, because who won it in 2007? Kane Corns. You're bloody kidding me. Four time. Four time best and fairest at wow. Port Adelaide. Kane Corns. Uh, Brendan Laid won in 2006. Treadray won in 2005 and 2004. So that gives him three at this stage. 2003. Gavin Wanganeen, fair enough. Yeah. 2002. Oh, here's a guy who might make the, the list. Um, we have not mentioned him so far. Oh. Um, he, uh, in what year? 2002. 2002. A Port Adelaide superstar. Superstar. He'll be included in the list when, the, when, when history is finally written about the Port Adelaide Football Club. It will definitely mention this guy and his name yes. is... What position did he play? <laughs> he played Ruck. Dean Brogan? <laughs> yes, Dean Brogan. <laughs> yes, future Hall of Famer <laughs> Dean Brogan. Sounds like he might be related to a Transformer. Ah, oh, Matthew Primus. <laughs> Matthew Primus. Uh, Warren Treadray won it in 2001 so that makes him a four time as well right uh, and and then before that Brent Montgomery Stephen Paxman Adam Kingsley Darren Mead Scott Hodges yeah um, Scott Hodges is Robbie also a West. Hall of Famer I believe and Scott Hodges won in 1990 yeah but you really are at that stage yeah so you've got to say of your modern days it's yeah. got to be Robbie Gray 
Travis Broke, Gavin Wanganeen, Warren Treadray, Matthew Primus, Kane Corns. Well, of the modern uh, players who are in the Hall of Fame, it's only Warren Treadray and Gavin Wanganeen. No Kane, oh no, and Kane Corns. Kane's in. Of course he's in. I'm surprised. Did you, did you know Kane Corns had that good a career? I always thought he was a tagger or something. Maybe I'm the one who's judged too quickly in this instance, Will. Probably a good example of what you were saying before, though. Would those guys be bigger stars if they played in Victoria? Or at least would they be more known to the rest of the competition? I mean, I was working on a TV show in the, like, in the noughties that was shooting out of Adelaide. And I remember Chad was like the darling of the Adelaide advertiser. He was always in the social pages and he was dating an actress at the time. And he was the glamour boy of Port. And I think Kane just sort of was the quiet achiever. I think Kane was the Emilio to his Charlie Sheen, so to speak, his Chad Sheen. Uh, they look good, Port Adelaide. I yep. know they had an off week last week, but they, they look really fantastic. And Charlie Dixon, like he, he is... He's whatever's happening in lockdown. They, they I, I think, even when we come out of the pandemic, they're going to have to not tell Charlie. <laughs> I feel like this has got to be the Port Adelaide plan. Is they're just got to pretend that we're still in a pandemic, well after we're not in a pandemic anymore, for the sake of Charlie's football. Yeah, I think too. Uh, this game gave a lot of Carlton supporters heart. I mean, they seem to be the darlings of the AFL at the moment. It's all good press for Carlton. As I brought up many years ago on this very show, don't give Carlton an inch. People who are cheering for Carlton and, you know, wanting their fans to be happy and stuff have short memories because if you grew up when we grew up, Carlton and Carlton supporters were the worst going around. We need to, if we're going to let them back into the fray, we need to do it with some conditions. They, they've misbehaved. We've sanctioned them. They've got a lot of players now that we like. We like Crips. We like Betts. We even like Levi Casbolt now. But we need to – we can't just embrace them wholeheartedly. We need to be very careful how we welcome them. Because before you know it, if they get a run on and they actually become a force in the AFL, we'll regret it. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. That's why the weekend's game was perfect. Yeah, We get to see them be good and then they lose after the siren. I would yeah. like a series of games where when the siren when the siren goes, Carlton are in front so they can take heart out of that and then mm. someone has a kick after the siren to break their heart. That's what I want to see for Carlton. Hope and then hope crushed at the final moment. Do you feel sorry for North Melbourne? Did you see any of that game? Because I'm starting to feel sorry for North Melbourne. They started the year with like so much promise and we were all up on them in the first two rounds. But gee, they looked like tired and slow and sore and just out of sorts. And Ben Brown, my God, I don't want to, I like Ben Brown, so I don't want to go on too much, but he is so out of form. Like his confidence is shot. It's really, he's not getting great delivery or anything like that, but there's few shots of goal he had. Just everything's out. Like his timing's out. That long run-up he does just kind of looks silly now. And he just, he just looks bereft of confidence. No Cunnington, no North Melbourne. Mm. That's, that's, it's as simple as that. He is the heart and soul of the team. And I'm going to say he maybe even has some sort of teaser pony effect on Ben Brown. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know how like a champion racehorse will often have like a, another pony or like a dog or a donkey or something that is like his best mate. Yeah. And he only performs his best when he has that calming influence around. Yeah. I think Ben Brown, what we're seeing is Ben Brown is nothing without Ben Cunnington. I agree. The two Bens. Do you think, this, so there's talk at the moment about well, North are in a rebuild. Clearly, that's what this year is, is mm. teaching them. And so if they want to get back into the draft, 
Ben Brown is their best bet. 28 years old. Uh, he's a Coleman medalist. Uh, you know, for a prem- team that's vying for a premiership like Collingwood, who needs a big tall forward, perfect. Are you of the belief that you, and to use a cliche that junk time love, throwing the baby out with the bathwater? Um, I think you could get something for him. I think if they knew they were going to have the season they were going to have this year, they might have seen what Higgins was worth on the open market because, again, just a player as good as Higgins, if you added him to a team that was already great, you know, it could be the difference between you you know, playing in the finals and you winning a premiership. And so I think they held on to everybody in the hope that they were going to be, you know, kind of pushing towards the finals. And they haven't had Zebel and they haven't had Anderson for most of it and they haven't had Cunnington. And that's yeah. their grunt. That's mm. their heart. It's just very hard to tell because those outside players, they normally get such good outside service from those really tough inside players players and so then if you don't have the inside players getting it out to the outside players then suddenly you're in a lot of trouble yeah and it's also it's just their style of play this kind of going creeping around the boundary line kicking long to a contest and stuff i guess if you do have those inside midfielders it makes sense more stoppages you just wear down the other team you get it out to your distributors but it they just looked they looked bad i mean i actually thought they looked worse than adelaide i hadn't seen any north melbourne apart from when they beat us round one and I hadn't seen any of Adelaide and then this round I saw both of them and I was like geez I thought Adelaide looked pretty good against us or at least you know not as bad as everyone's been saying but I just thought North looked like subpar so I don't know how the shin bone you're more a student of the shin bone spirit than I am Mm. I need to ask you a question like is it so ordinarily the shin bone spirit because it feels to me like we at the moment we've got a real deficiency of shin bone spirit Yes. Is there a possibility that in these times when, you know, you can't share Gatorade bottles, you, you know, we're in heightened COVID awareness, that maybe some of the magic mm. of the Shimbona spirit is that it's always supped from the same cup? You know, the idea that somehow it mm. diminishes in power if everybody has their own individual serves of Shimbona spirit, or is that not is that not relevant? What is happening? I don't know. See, I think... I think the shin bonus spirit is there. Hmm. I think it's not being utilized because the thing that makes shin bonus spirit so great is it actually, it's not like, uh, it's not based on a confidence thing. It's actually, it's not dissimilar to the backs against the wall. Shin bonus spirit is based on being a, a like a, just a team that just kind of grinds and plies your craft and you're just out tough, you out muscle, you out just determination is what gets you across the line. And so I think they're being competitive. So the Shinbone spirit is there, but it is not being utilized in the right way. Now, whether that's a motivational thing or they need to get separate bottles of Shinbone spirit, or maybe, the, like you're saying, the separate bottles of Shinbone spirit has diluted it because maybe it's more of a, they all need to sup from that one thing. Like we don't know because that's the big mystery, Will, mm. is how they actually ingest. I mean, we joke about it on the show. But we don't know how they ingest the, the shin bonus spirit. Do they all stand around? Is it like a Vicks thing? Mm. Where they all stand around in a inhaler and they just inhale the shin bonus spirit? Or is it a little flask that gets passed around? I mean, whatever it is, I feel like it's the communal aspect of it that makes it potent. Yeah, I feel, I just don't know why, but I've always imagined it's like, you know, one of those things you'd find at a Turkish restaurant. What did they call those? Shush, the shushka pipes, whatever. Yeah, so one of those that just have... 
that you kind of have to pass from mouth to mouth. It's all, I've always just imagined it a little like a peyote ceremony or an ayahuasca ceremony where there's like a communal sense of everybody imbibing it together. But I've never really thought about how it is actually dispensed. See, I, I saw it more like a pagan ritual, like a Freemason type ritual. Like I imagine A Dennis Pagan ritual. That Dennis makes pa- sense. <laughs> it's a Dennis Pagan ritual. Like I imagine that they're all in their white and blue striped robes. And yeah. there's like a Holy Grail style chalice. Yeah. Like a Crackers Keenan walks in as the high priest of the Shinbone of Spirit and goes up to the altar and unlocks a tabernacle and takes out yeah. like the ornamental grail and holds it above his head. And with, yeah. you know, he just invokes the spirit of the Shinbona. And, you know, like in uh, Catholicism, they believe that you were transmorphing, you know, uh, the spirit into this physical object. He draws... He converts, he turns water into Shinbone Spirit <laughs> into this Holy Grail. And then that is passed from player to player. And I imagine it's like there's probably some incantation that Cracker says. He One by one, he goes down the line. He's like, yeah, sniff this, inhale it, the Shinbone Spirit. <laughs> you know I mean? So it's a Look, pagan ceremony. It's a Dennis yeah. pagan ceremony. Um, they go out into Pagan's Paddock. Yeah. And Cracker's Keenan, you're saying, is more your sort of witch doctor character. Yes. He comes out and he kind of is... Well, what's going on with Crackers? Is there a chance that Crackers hasn't been able to travel with the team? Is that what's happening? He's not in the North Melbourne hub. That might be it. And Crackers would be of an age too where he'd be in a high-risk category. I think we've just... We've, we've solved the problem. Like, Crackers can't no. be around crowds. Crackers can't travel. Then then they're not getting their pre-match <laughs> ritual down. <laughs> This is the stupidest show that anyone has ever listened to. <laughs> Can't believe you guys didn't talk about that good win my free man off. Really? How can you not believe that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, were there any other games that caught your fancy? What about the demons? You've been uh, you've been down on the demons. Can I just say on the bulldogs? The one thing that I wanted to say yeah. about the bulldogs was. Um, gee, it was fun to watch Cody Waitman play his yes. first game. Yes, like. He, Cody Waitman, and this was always, you know, I was talking to a, a friend of ours, Craig Coombs, who's a, who was a former recruiter for Port Adelaide, amongst others, I believe. I think he did some time at Port Adelaide before he went to Hawthorne. And we um, were just chatting as we do about football. And he was saying, you know, we were talking about the idea when Waitman got uh, drafted that he was this kind of player. And it's just so great. When somebody who, like, basically the way that he played in that game was what the recruiter's notes said about him when he got drafted that he was going to be this, like, you know, small, exciting forward who would fly for marks and, you know, kick fluky goals and just be really exuberant. And he was all of those things. And I think that's exactly what the Bulldogs need is that little bit of magic in the forward line like that. It was very exciting to, I mean, to see him take that hanger, to see him kick that banana from the, you know, the boundary line. It was unreal. That banana was like a a 50 meter banana. Like generally the further out you are, it's harder to get the bend, but he just curled it perfectly. No, he was exciting. The whole, I, I I don't know what happened to Essendon after quarter time. It was like they just sort of stopped running, but it was fun to watch, even though it wasn't necessarily a close game, just the kind of skills of the Bulldogs. Oh. It's got to give you a lot of confidence until you play a team beneath you. That Tim English moment where he like basketball style out oh. of the ruck to Bontempelli yeah, yeah. going through the middle. I was just like that. And like English was, 
I mean, again, he was playing against a team that doesn't have like a gun ruckman, you know, has a handy ruckman, mm. but not like a gun ruckman. And Tim English is still of an age where he's been absolutely bullied by some of the bigger, you know, ruckman going around in the league. But you well, show... Brody Grundy beat him up. But that game showed that he could be the next Brody Grundy. No doubt about that. When I watched Tim English play, he is like a tall gun yeah. midfielder, so great. He's like hands around the field taking high marks and stuff are unreal. He's got quick hands. Yeah, apparently uh, Tim English was a um, he was a midfielder for most of his junior career mm. and then he had a growth spurt. So he just has those. Yeah. Essentially, Tim English had the opposite football career to what I had, which was I was really tall early and dominated and then everybody else got as tall as me and it turns out I wasn't actually that good at footy, whereas he was like a good midfielder who grew heaps. I mean, it's just a shame that his father, John, uh, uh, is no longer with us and uh, can't attend the games because I'm sure he'd be so proud. I mean, to see how the Bulldogs are all together now... <laughs> Winning games, love them playing together. <laughs> I mean, you have one-eyed supporters. We just wanted some black-eyed supporters. But it's unfortunate. But he dedicates <laughs> he dedicates every match to the memory of his late father, John English. The thing I'd say about Tim English, and I agree with everything you've said, a great player, emerging player, but he hasn't yet nailed upon a look. No. He's a bit too clean-cut young footballer. Like, even Bont... You know, when he started, you know, he just was a clean-cut footballer. And then he's like, you know what I am? I'm fucking samurai ponytail guy. That's me. I'm a bit of beard samurai ponytail guy. So I'll be interested to see. Some players never get a look. Like Trent Cotchin, Ben McAvoy looks exactly the same as when he started. I hope Tim is not a Ben McAvoy because I'd like to see him come back from one preseason and it's a radically different look. You know, maybe it's a mohawk. Maybe he's got neck tats, something. Just... He looks just a bit boring at the moment. He's very goody two-shoes in his look. But maybe... Yes. I think the only thing that he could really do is sort of... David Lynch, David Burnett. I feel like the shape of his head, he's got to go some sort of like... Oh, yeah. Some uh, quiff. You know, like, yeah, get some extra height. You know, put some fear into some opposition players by just <laughs> having an extra six or seven centimetres of hair. <laughs> On top. If he did that, he's in danger of looking like Beavis. Yeah. Or Butthead, whichever one is the blonde one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I reckon lean into that look. I would like him to be rucking, look like, and just like off the field, start wearing like David Lynch style clothing, you know, like turtlenecks and, you know, cool black suits and thin black ties. I, I would love to see that be Tim English's look. Like a stretched out David Lynch. <laughs> stretched out David Lynch. Um, demons look good Christian Petrarca let's talk about the truck um, when St Gilda had the opportunity <laughs> to draft either uh, Paddy McCartan or Christian Petrarca and this is no knock on Paddy McCartan what's happened to Paddy is beyond his control and has nothing to do with his abilities as a footballer or anything like that but I remember at the time Christian Petrarca was widely reported as being the standout draftee that year and the fact that we didn't draft him to see what he's become now, like even when he was what, declaring himself to be a Hall of Famer and stuff in his first year and everyone's like, all right, settle down, mate, like whatever. You still knew that he had that ability. And even though it took him a while to find it, now that you're seeing it, it's like, God damn it. Like I understand the mentality of, well, tall forwards are harder to get. So, you know, they. I think the Bulldogs have just paid a billion dollars for Tom Boyd and St Kilda were like, we don't want to be 
doing the same thing. So we're, rather than get the best player, we're going to go for the best tall forward. But just thinking about what our midfield would be like if we had Christian Petrarca. Oh. He has come late. Like, you know, it's taken him a while to get to where everyone always expected that he would be. But <laughs> now that he's here, it's <laughs> wow. Worth it. Yeah, you can see, um, like, he... He, he looks like a classic example of a guy who finally got his body right, you know? And yeah, it'd be interesting yeah. to know why he didn't get it right in the last three or four years. Like why it's taken him this long to get into the shape to make him into the footballer that he needs to be. But he is, if you're a Melbourne fan, you're suddenly like, oh, he's a proper A-grade footballer that you could build this next generation around, no doubt. Well, it's just that combination he has of... Like he's a bull, like he's an absolute tank and unit. You can't tackle him. He can just don't argue. But then his skill skill set is amazing. Like those passes he was kicking on the weekend. There's one to Wiedemann, I think it was like a. They went coast to coast, and it was just like holy shit! Off one step, just this like laser. Yeah, he's going to be he's a superstar, one, and it's going to bug me for the next ten years. It's, I mean, it's the thing when you watch Bontempelli, and Bontempelli's had an okay season, but he hasn't had his best season. Like you know, you hope that he might warm up into it and really start to dominate. He had a couple of really good games, but this thing is, even when he's playing just a fine game, an okay game. You just want the ball in his hands because you know that every single disposal that he ever gets creates something. And Petrarca's turning into one of those players where you're just like, when he gets it, it's not just that he's getting it heaps now. You know that it's actually going to turn yeah. into something effective for the team. Yeah, and it's, he's the kind of player too that I think will get you watching Melbourne games as well. Like even as good as they were two years ago, Max Gorn, like Ruckman isn't going to make me want to tune into a game, but a, a midfield, a goal-kicking midfielder definitely gets you excited. Yeah. Um, should we get to some mail, Will? Let's do it. All right. Uh, as I said, uh, we've had some fan fiction sent in. Um, uh, we've also had uh, a lot of people um, sending us pocket profiles. So we'll start with this first one, which is neither. <laughs> this is from... Uh, Hang on, I'm not wearing... Uh, it's Ator. Hey guys, uh, long-time listener, first-time emailer. Due to a quirk in programming, I have watched North Melbourne three weeks in a row. Two players who seem to get a lot of mentions, Sean Attlee and Jasper Pittard. I'd never heard of them. 202 and 153 games played respectively. I have become Will and Charlie. As you were so keen on player profiles last week, why don't you go through the profile of a player on each list that has played the most games that you have never heard of? It's a win-win for everyone. An obscure long-term player gets some recognition, you learn about him, and your pocket profile player is picked. Keep up the good work. Anton. Oh, he must... Maybe he's got two names. Anyway, Anton. Okay. I love this. Because Jasper Pittard, I'm right across, because there was a goth period of his that I was quite obsessed with. But who was the other fella? Sean Attlee. Okay. So couldn't pick him in a lineup. For a million dollars, would not know who Sean Attlee is. How many games has he played? Um, 202. <laughs> He's like a life member. Probably puts him in the top 20% of players who've ever played the game. And I could not... We have a football podcast top, and I could not identify top him. top 5%. That's what it puts him in. The top 5% of players who've ever played the game. Really? Yes. <laughs> top 5%. Okay. Do we have a pocket profile on Atlee? Can we find any information about Atlee? Let me see if I can look something up. Okay. Sean Attlee profile. I'm going to the North Melbourne 
Okay. So if you could think of the most generic face in the world, <laughs> that is Sean Atley. I'm going to screen grab it and send it to you. Thank you. Does he have blonde hair? Uh, no. If you told me this guy played for Sydney, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. I've just dropped it in the message window. There okay, have a look. I'll have a look. Um, oh, wow. I didn't, yeah, okay. It's like somebody took five players from the Gold Coast Suns and did one of those face mashes. <laughs> like he doesn't actually look like one person. He looks like three or four different people that they've just stuck together to make a person. He's 27 years old. He's 189 centimetres, 86 kilos. Now, it's funny that you say he's like an amalgam because statistically, he is fairly much average in every department. So he averages 15 disposals, which is league average. Uh, averages 7.9 kicks, average. Handballs is above average, 7.1, but marks are below average, 3.1. So they cancel each other out. So that's average as well. <laughs> uh, his meters gained in a game is 245, uh, which is average. <laughs> and he gets two tackles a game, which is above average. But when you think about it, it's just more than one. <laughs> so, well, basically, I think if we go through the player who's played the most games on each list that we don't know, we're going to find they're all good average players. Good or this is your GOP, your good ordinary player category, yeah. right? Somebody who just stays on the list by being reliable and consistent. Yeah. And it sounds like look, I, no club honours at this stage. Um, okay, <laughs> so after playing, <laughs> after playing in the forward line, he debuted in twenty in twenty eleven. Didn't he win? Um, didn't uh, sorry, didn't he win uh, North Melbourne's MAP ten years in a row, most average player? <laughs> After playing in the forward line for the bulk of 2017 and 2018, so five and six years into his career, respectively, he was a forward. Atley returned to defence. His dash and ability to break lines was an important asset off half-back. And he averaged a career-best 20 disposals a game. All right. So that was back in 2018. Was his, he, he peaked. He managed the fifth most bounces in the competition. <laughs> 33. <laughs> After playing 99 games straight, the number 18 missed the round 20 win over Hawthorne after dislocating his kneecap in the previous round. He was able to return and find some strong late season form, including a career best 29 disposals against Port Adelaide. And now, um, am no I what, uh, what number did Wayne Carey wear at North Melbourne? Uh, 18, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. So is this is this a deliberate ploy by North Melbourne to get the go? Look, last time we gave the eighteen to someone who wasn't average. Things things got a little messy for us down at the club. Let's find the most average player there is and give him number eighteen. <laughs> it could be. Did I say his number was eighteen? Yeah. Oh no. Oh, oh sorry. We uh, was it not the number eighteen? You might have said number eighteen. He debuted something else. He de Debuted in 2018. Yeah, I don't know what his number is. It doesn't say here okay. what his number is. Um, but we can follow him on Twitter. There's a little link. Oh, no. No, there's not. Is there... No, I'm, I'm clicking the any link and it's dead. Is there any pocket profile about Sean Atley? <laughs> I'll see. Sean Atley pocket profile. Because if you've played 200 games and you haven't got a pocket profile, that is also a bit of an, an indication of where you are in the club pecking order. <laughs> Uh, doesn't appear to be just a lot of stats. No, nothing. We don't can't find anything. He's a man of history. If you can, if if uh, listeners out there can find anything on Sean Atley, keep it to yourself. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> 
next email is from Nick. Hey, Will and Charlie. Following on from your discussion about how good it was to have some unfit players dominating in the AFL, I've come up with an idea to bring back Heritage Round. You may remember that back in the early 2000s, the Heritage Round was a chance for clubs to bring out their old jerseys, which is a nice idea, but obviously it didn't last. What Heritage Round needs is not just the jerseys from previous eras, but also the body types. Each year, Heritage Round should be held after the bye, giving players a two-week opportunity to eat pies, drink beer, not train, and hopefully put on as much weight as possible. In order to incentivize teams to make a real crack at the team in each game, uh, to have a real crack at it, the team in each game that puts on the most weight gets a five-goal head start. I'm, I'm not, a, no, I think five goals is too much, but here's what I say. You incentivize every kilo over with a point. Goals per kilo. Well, oh, point. points okay, per yeah. kilo. So yeah. say, for example, you could be like 15 combined. You get 15 kilos in front of the other team. That's how much you put on. That's a 15-point head two. start. Yeah, that's better. That makes more sense. It's fairer in this insane yeah. idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd love to see a version of Tom Hawkins that looks more like Tony Lockett running around for the Cats. I'm sure there are other odd... Uh, old features of the game we could include as well. Biffo with no consequences, tribunal appearances where the opposition players say nothing bad actually happened. Warwick Caparesque tight shorts would love your ideas. Cheers, Nick. Okay, what are some other heritage? What would we, well, we want to bring back in football? Can I just say on this unfit footballers idea, which I love, by the way, would this be an opportunity for people who are on the fringes of the group to eat their way into the team? Because... Say you're a player who's, you know, number 25 on your list and you can't really justify your place in the team by goals you're going to score as a small forward. But what if you come in not as a small forward but but as a medium forward or even a large forward? <laughs> but, but just... Wind, you're wind, you're already... High. It's like... Well, do you, you guys have got the, you guys playing three tall forwards? No, we're playing two tall forwards. Uh, and you've already forward. kicked three goals. Like you're 18 kilos up. You've already kicked three goals before the game start. You don't actually have to get a touch. <laughs> You don't need... And the best bit is you don't have to chase because you can't. You'll have a heart attack. I mean, we've talked that we would love to bring back um, cars yeah. honking their horns at Adelaide Oval, park them on the hill. I'd like to see that for Heritage Round. I mean, I think the idea of seeing unfit footballers running around is the Legends match each year. I mean, when you see that, that is AFL-level players who have country footballer bodies. What if for Heritage Round the teams have to be fielded by ex-players. So for every heritage round, it, it gives us a buy in the AFL for the regular players, but it also gives us all something really exciting to watch. We play a round of football where the teams have to be fielded by ex-players yep. from that team who've retired. But we, it has to be, we have to break it into eras, all right? So there's like, you've got to feel a VFL-era team, AFL-era team, uh, maybe you sort of break it into decades or half decades just so you're not getting like recently retired players like Brent Harvey dominating or something like that. You have to have a mixture. So I think it would be like you could have like say six players from the last five years. You can have like six players from the last 10 years and then you can kind of – the rest of the list has to come from the last 30 years or something. Yeah, or maybe you you have to pick your, your, your uh, team lines – you have to assign different decades. So maybe you're like, okay, so 80s, our forward line is from the 80s. So we, we're, we're going to get all the old fly, high flyers from the 80s in our forward line. Our midfield are going to be from like the noughties, <laughs> you know, back when everyone was flooding and it was a bit dour. And our defense is from the 70s when it's just knocked some fucking teeth out. Each line 
in your team has to be from a different era, but each team gets to choose which line they feel from which eras. So you might get the thing where it's like the center line's all from the 70s from one team, but they're all modern day players from the other team. Brilliant. (laughs) Here's the reason we should be on the competition committee. (laughs) Are you ready for some fan fiction, Will? Yes. Fifington fan fiction. This is from Rick. Hey, cuppers. I'm normally too lazy to contribute to anything. But your podcast's recent pivot to being largely about Nat Fife and Ben Cunnington's story ideas has spurred me on to become cupwardly mobile. Here is my Fifington pitch. Well, this is the first time anyone has actually come up with a term for it. Fifington, that makes sense, right? I like Fifington. It's got a good ring to it. It's catchy. Otherwise, it's it's cunf. (laughs) Also good. To be honest, I'm happy to lock either in. If you want to send us some comfort fiction or some Fifington fiction, you can. Uh, you do that at two guys one cup afl at gmail.com. That's the number two, the number one, two guys one cup afl at gmail.com. Okay. Two guys one comf. Uh, Rick continues think inner space, but with much more shin bonus spirit. Shinner space, question mark. In an effort to make sure the season isn't derailed by COVID, the AFL turns to experimental sports scientist, Professor Stephen Dank. Second time he's appeared in the fan fiction, unrelated to either club, but has appeared twice. Love it. he's such a good villain. Love it. Uh, they turn to Stephen Dank to find a cure. Professor Dank discovers that the virus can be destroyed with a direct dose of Shinbona spirit. The only way to administer the dose effectively is to shrink someone down who naturally produce shin bonus spirit. Uh, is to shrink down someone who who naturally produces shin bonus spirit and inject inject them directly into the infected person. It is discovered that Ben Cunnington fell into a vat of shin bonus spirit when he was a baby, and is the best candidate for the job. They sell it to him as being the greatest fishing trip of all time, and he agrees. Then, when Chris Fagan, Dennis Pagan test positive to COVID, ah, jeez, ah, no, they decide to go for it. (laughs) Ben is shrunk down into his little submarine and is about to be injected when in through the door burst some poorly disguised West Coast Eagles players. The Eagles can see how the season is progressing and they are desperate for COVID to bring the season to a premature end. Clearly, this was written three weeks ago when they were traveling badly. You know what I like about this, though? Instead of a little submarine, Ben Cunnington should be in a tiny little fishing boat. A dinghy. They should get him on his boat. No motor. He's going to row. He's going to row up the bloodstream. (laughs) Because that's how he does it. (laughs) Just punching COVID antibodies in the guts behind the play. (laughs) In the confusion. That's how he pitches it. He goes, I can do it, fellas. Once I see those antibodies, I'm going to punch them in the guts behind the play. <laughs> in the confusion, the syringe flies out the window and into a passing helicopter, becoming embedded in the, in the pilot, Nat Fife, who inadvertently yep. injects Ben Cunnington into himself while trying to remove the syringe. A heartfelt Love action it. comedy ensues as Ben gives Nat a healthy dose of shin bonus spirit and Nat shows Ben the benefits of good personal grooming. <laughs> they have to work together to make sure the AFL season isn't called off. Also, while he's inside Nat's brain, Ben discovers an anomaly that is causing an inability to match names to faces. He fixes it and Nat is suddenly able to name every single one of his teammates. Anyway, you get the gist. Keep up the great work, Rick. It was worth breaking your duck, Rick, of contributing to things for that. I loved it. 
Uh, P.S. It might be time for both of you to admit that both of your teams are going pretty good this season. Where is the hype? Just keeping a lid on it, mate. Keeping a lid on it. Um, let's finish with the pocket profile. Will. I, I think that both of us are of the opinion that our teams probably won't win, but at the same yeah. time could win because who knows? Like at their best, both of them, if they had a right run at the right period of time, could do very well. But there's just no point getting even excited about that because there's just so much of this season that is a mystery. It's just like, well, you just got to watch it, see what happens. Like the idea that we're good enough to actually win if we got there, but not really bank on the idea that we're going to win. It's called a loser mentality, everyone. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cump. Okay, we had a bunch of people send this in. It's a pocket profile of Harry Himmelberg. Um, okay, Harry Himmelberg, right. who friend of the show, Alex Williams, has been desperately trying to give the moniker the disaster uh, after the Hindenburg. Hasn't worked. I've been with, to the football with Alex where he's yelled it out and it hasn't caught on. I don't know if he's still trying. Alex, if you are, stop. You're embarrassing yourself. Himmelberg, Hindenburg, uh, Titanic. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Burger, Whopper. Burger, yeah, King. Good. Whopper. Burger King, King, Don King. Don Scott, Scott No Mates, Max King, <laughs> Mates, Cobbers, Mate, yeah. um, Mating Rituals, <laughs> Richie Rich, Casper. There you go. He's called Casper. <laughs> All right. Okay. So there's even a they even give you a um, uh, there's a what do you call it when, when yeah. there's a headline yeah. and then there's a sub is a subheading is a subheadline a smaller headline. Pocket profile Harry Himmelberg, key forward, chef, funny man. Get chef to know chef and funny man, TV funny man, yeah. Harry Himmelberg. He's, that's actually a funny and man's sh- name. If you got to the end of your, like, yeah. a current affair or something, they said, we're going to go to the, the funny man, Harry Himmelberg, for his take on I'm the news. showing you the photo they've used in the profile, and that is a funny man photo. It's funny because he is a good-looking cat and he's actually dressed as, like, Ben Cunnington for Mad Monday, so... <laughs> Okay. Do you have any pre-game rituals? Yes, he does. I'll give you a hint. It's, it's, it's something to do with, like all of them, it's generally about a breakfast thing. Okay, it's something he has for breakfast. Harry Himmelberg. Yeah. Uh, in the morning. Kind of. um, a Coffee. Something to do with what he drinks. Is Holy it? shit, that's exactly what he said. Coffee in the bus or on a car trip. How did you know that? Well done. You know Harry Himmelberg better than he knows himself. Well, I'd like to say so far it's more a sign that I know what they serve at breakfast more than I know <laughs> Harry Himmelberg. But, you know, let's go on. See how I go. Okay. Uh, growing up, who was your favourite player? And he had two. One was an eagle. One was a demon. Uh, the demon player. So he's young. So it's got to be like a... A kind of modern day demon player. Is it a modern day ish demons player? Uh, he's a naughty Jeff Farmer. Player. Oh, um, no. After, well, same era, but a bit. Gary after. Lyon. No, no, no. As in later. Uh, later than Gary Lyon. Um, no, I don't know. Who. Probably the, 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 the Chris Grant of the demons in the, in the noughties. Alan Jakovich. David Neitz. <laughs> Don't you think he was the Chris Grant of the Demons? Reliable, no, that's, that's... utility, could play up forward or down back. No, he was, yeah, he was a great player, David Neitz. That's a good, that's a good suggestion. I can see that. And who was the other one? An Eagle. One of the bad boys of the Eagles. Carl Langdon. <laughs> no, why is he? Himmelberg wouldn't have been born then. Think of like... Ben, ben, ben Cousins. No. Daniel Kerr. Yes, Daniel Kerr. Sam Kerr's brother. 
Um, toughest individual opponent. His name's two, and they both play for Richmond. Uh, I think they Alex do. Rance and Shaw and um, uh, is it Griggs? Who's the other guy who's played? No, is Griggs the? No, okay. No, who are they? It's, no, you're thinking Grimes. Grimes. Uh, it's Alex Rance and Dave Asprey. Does Dave Asprey play for... Yeah, I think so. He's not the North Melbourne player we're just talking about. No. I've forgotten already. That was was Sean Attlee, I believe. I've forgotten his name. I knew there was an A in it. Uh, Does your jumper number have any significance? No. And then he continues, but location in your locker room is prime. So there is some strategy. I wonder what number he is. Doesn't say. Doesn't say. What guess what number Himmelberg is? Harry Himmelberg is number 11. Could you look that up, please, podcast Mike? Harry Himmelberg, what number he is? Okay. Um, funniest thing a fan has said to you over the fence. Um, and he is being sarcastic with his response. Hey, Hindenburg. He's number 20. <laughs> disaster. He's, like, he's this fucking actor who comes to every game. He's a mad fan. Sometimes he hangs out with Steve Waugh in the crowd. You guys he's heard of Julian Assange? Anyway, so he played... You know who Julian Assange is, right? WikiLeaks? Anyway. Uh, he says, um, get a haircut is always a knee slapper. So uh, a little yeah, bit of attitude there. Um, yeah, Harry no, I can understand by, that. By the way, is number 27. Okay. Uh, teammate most likely to coach? Never heard of this person. Uh, First name is Zach. Zach, uh, Zach Braff. <laughs> <laughs> yes Scrubs is Zach Braff God, uh, Garden no, Zach State Zach Braff Is that Zach Braff Yeah <laughs> Teammate most likely To be club president Or CEO uh, uh, Is a triple barrel name Sort of um, uh, Three syllables at least No it's triple barrel um, No tell me I mean He may uh, At some stage Like it's, it's not a dissimilar name To Mark Lacroix Um Play also Western Australian. Uh, no. Nah. May have come from Frio. Matt DeBoer. Oh, no, I never would have got that. Or is that South African? Uh, your funniest teammate. And then he's mentioned him before. Uh, Matt DeBoer. <laughs> Zach Sprawl. <laughs> Zach Braff. So this is intriguing. There's no more information, but his funniest teammate is Zach Sprawl after Dill Buckley's departure. So I don't understand. Something happened when Dill Buckley left the team. Well, Dylan and Buckley, when he left, I think that he was the previous funniest person. Is what he's saying. I don't think he's saying. Oh, right. I don't think he's saying. Suddenly, oh, he, Zach he made, got he his comedy chops when Dylan was out of the picture. I think what he's saying is <laughs> Dylan was the previous funniest person, and Zach has right. moved up in the rankings. Oh, I thought like. Dylan left and Zach's like, hey, everybody, check out my, my Dill Buckley. Duh, I'm Dill Buckley. I can't kick straight. And everyone just cracked up. I prefer that version. Uh, who had the best haircut in AFL history? Um, and I think he's being a little cheeky here because the person in question didn't have that much hair. Oh. Um, but very An- famous. Andrew Jarman. <laughs> Chris no. Judd. Uh, uh, known as he known for f- uh, flying. Uh, flying uh, Liam Ryan. Flying Liam Ryan. <laughs> Bruce Dool, the flying door. Oh, okay. That's a bit old school. Yeah, but that's why I think it's a joke, yeah. right? Because, you know, old bald Well, he's a funny man. Uh, Sorry, okay. I forgot that he is a yeah. self-professed funny man. funny man. Do you have any secret party tricks? 
and he's being cheeky. Well, he's stand-up comedy, obviously. He's <laughs> his Netflix special that he's got in his pocket to launch after his football career. Um, is it a physical act? He doesn't name it. He just responds with a cheeky retort to the question. Do you have any secret party tricks? Uh, uh, that's for me to know and you to find out. Close. They're secret. Oh, yeah. Good. Y- unique person you follow on Twitter or Instagram. And I don't know who this person is. He's an amazing artist, according to Harry. Um, um, CJ. Kanye something. West. CJ Hendry? Who is that? Don't know. Is that like a musical no artist or a... Anyway. Uh, that is a woman, not a man, Charlie. <laughs> okay, thank you, Mike. Um, okay. Name a celebrity you can't stand. And this is someone that you and I have talked about at length on our other show who we love. The you rock. have gone down many rabbit holes with this particular artist, a singer. Oh, a singer. Yeah. Um, a singer that we love that I've gone down rabbit holes on. Yes. Um, oh, I don't uh, Give me another clue. Um, what uh, style of singer? Uptown funk. <laughs> oh, not that big a clue. Bruno Mars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it could have been Mark Ronson. I was trying to throw you. Yeah, it's a good point. At which store would you max out your credit card? And again, cheeky answer, not a legit answer, not even really a store. I understand what he's trying to do, but like the previous uh, pocket profile we did, they don't quite understand what a joke is. So where would you... No, he's a notorious funny man. Um, The credit card shop. (laughs) I mean, it makes about as much sense. Fight Club. Oh, okay. See, right, sure. A, not a store. B, they didn't have, there's no money transacted at Fight Club. You kind of missed the point of the film. They're anti-capitalist. Just want some soap, so, mate. He just really wants some soap. It takes a lot to wash his hair. What are three things left on your bucket list? Okay, so the first thing is a pretty common dream for most average Australians. The second one is a holiday. Buy a house. Uh, and the third one is what every footballer would say. Um, no, own his own business. What about his holiday? Oh, and his a holiday own, destination. Yep. Uh, exotic? Is it an exotic? Oh, it's in Australia. Tropical. Um, Broome. A lot of camping happens there. Uh, the uh, Kakadu. Fraser Island. Uh, oh, okay. And what's his, what's his football dream? Win a premiership. Do you have a dog? Yes. What's its name? Uh, Larry Himmelberg. <laughs> Ollie? <laughs> and what breed? Uh, Ollie is a, a Great Dane. A staffy. Uh, what do you order at the bar? I believe this is a kind of beer. I believe this is an American beer. Maybe. Oh, Coors. Red Stripe. Is that an American beer? West Indian, I believe. Okay. First album you bought. Um, <laughs> again, cheeky answer. Uh, and um, relates to... No, relates to the fact the the... The time in which he grew up, the generation he belongs to and their attitude towards paying for things. <laughs> mm. Did, I, I stole my first album. Pretty much. I downloaded my first album. Luckily, I grew up in the LimeWire era. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, first concert you attended. And I believe this, I mean, Podcast Mike will probably pull me up on this as well. I believe this is a festival, but it may also be a band. And it happens in Melbourne. <laughs> At least it happened. <laughs> I believe this is a festival, but it may also be a band. Of all the old person things that we have ever said on these shows, that may be the oldest sounding thing that we have ever fucking said. Uh, Good Life in Melbourne. Is that a band or is that a festival? Mike, 
It's a festival. <laughs> okay. Never heard of it. Okay. Um, Will, what is something about yes. Harry that we wouldn't know if we hadn't read the subheading? Uh, that he's a, a bit of a funny man. That he can cook. No. What's his favorite holiday destination? Um, Place that you and I know well? Uh, Byron Bay. Los Angeles. Oh. Favorite movie. Again, if you listen to our other podcast, we've mentioned this person many times. Uh, Adam, Adam Sandler. Correct. Uh, movie. Happy Gilmore. Correct. Favorite TV show? Uh, comedy or drama? Drama. Uh, probably around about eight seasons. Breaking Bad. Critically acclaimed. Sons of Anarchy. Okay. Oh, he's got. He yeah. looks like he's got a classic like Sons Jax. of Anarchy look. Of course, it's fucking yeah. Sons of Anarchy. Uh, what's his favorite band or musician? Um, is it a, a artist DJ. I would know? Like oh, DJ. DJ. Um, yep. Jazzy Jeff. A a, a helmet a helmeted DJ. Uh, There's a few to choose from. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, not Daft Punk because they're like it, they they have two helmets. This is a single helmet. Is it? Um, yeah. Oh. Uh, G G Whistle. No, what's he? <laughs> G Whistle. Now he sounds old. G Whistle. It's Dead Mouse. Yes. Poor Mike, uh, who, who's just like dying to answer these questions. What Mike the Millennial watching these two old men fumble their way through the names of current day bands and festivals. <laughs> Must be fucking driving him mental. Dead Mouse spelt okay. with a five at the end, apparently. Is that how That's Dead Mouse spells yeah, his you, name? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Favorite carb, which is easy. Pasta. First meal he eats when the season's over. A, a pub staple. Uh, uh, chicken sizzle. Yeah, a parmi. Um, is he a coriander fan? Yes. Huge no. Oh. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Yes. Huge yes. Tomato sauce in the fridge, yes or no? Yes. No. <laughs> Oh, okay. What non-football accomplishment are you most proud of? Um, again, a bit of a, a humorous answer. Uh, um, a, a dig at a place he grew up in. Oh, leaving the shithole town that I grew up in. <laughs> <laughs> Surviving the winters of Canberra. What's your most embarrassing childhood memory? Um, oh, I, no, I don't know. I mean, it's, this, this is not embarrassing in the slightest. When you wore the wrong uniform to school. Like is that is that the most embarrassing memory? You needed to get I bullied mean, more, Harry. Depends what the other uniform was. Like if you wore like a Prince Harry style Nazi Germany sort of uniform to school instead of his yeah. school uniform. Um, what's his best childhood memory? Uh, and you just give me it's a holiday destination in New South Wales. Um, going to the south coast on holidays. Yes, yes. Can you give me a, a bay? Maybe Bateman's Bay. Correct. Who would you like to swap places with for one day? Uh, sports person? I think so. Oh, okay. Um, I might have to look him up. Any other clues? Um, shares, uh, shares a surname with a very famous soccer player. Um, and it may, may even be his son. I'm just looking Lee it up. Lee. Uh, no, he's not. He's an, he's, an, he's an NFL player who shares a name with... Probably the most famous soccer player ever. Uh, Gary Gary Maradona. <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, okay. I mean, anyway, 
Uh, look, I, I was about to criticise your clue, and then I realised this is a game that has no stakes. <laughs> and nothing at all. All right, let's wrap it up by giving our tips for yes. this week. Uh, well, we have so- to tip until Wednesday, because we'll do the podcast again on Wednesday. So we have to t- look at, I don't know, is there games every... Are there, are there Monday and Tuesday games this week? It's, uh, no, not this okay. Saturday. No, the last game finishes on Monday, so I think we're all good. Um we can give our tips on Twitter if people... I mean, do you think anyone is listening to our tips, to, you know, to try and win a prize in office pool or anything I mean, like that? I it's, mean, you, you make a fair point. We've had some good rounds. There was a couple of rounds ago where we both had a really good round. Okay, so uh, first up, the Bulldogs taking on the Suns. Um, both coming off good wins. Bulldogs looking hot, but the Suns are above you, so that's probably the deciding factor in my tip. I'm going to tip the Bulldogs in that game. I'm going to... This is a danger game, which is such a weird thing to say about playing the Gold Coast, but... Um, should be a really exciting game, I'd imagine. And uh, I am picking the Bulldogs, of course. It is the it is the closest of the round, seventh playing ninth. Okay, on Friday, the Giants take on Richmond. The Giants were just sputtering, Harry Himmelberg's Giants. Um, it would be a great statement match if they could, you know, slay their, their grand final nemesis. Um, but Richmond looked good. Richmond have done that thing that they did last year where they lost a bunch of players and just found a, just gone to a new level. But... Uh, it's funny, we joked last week, or you harangued me for suggesting that Leon Cameron may not keep his job at the end of the year, but that's all I've been hearing about in the press this last few days is that is Leon Cameron, Leon Cameron, is Leon, Leon Cameron safe? <laughs> well, I think that Leon Cameron is... Uh... <laughs> Cameroon. Leon Cameron. Imagine, imagine if Leon Cameron came out and he goes, it's Leon Cameron. And this is what's been holding me back. <laughs> or maybe he has an alter ego. He's like, guys, it's time for some tough love. You need Leon Cameron to come in here. Um, they need to bounce back. Obviously, a lot of heat on them this week around that. I think Cameron's about to re-sign um, his contract. But obviously, you know, the Delidio thing about them playing as individuals, that'll be in their mind. This could be a danger game That's for a bit Richmond. cheap, right? Why did he have to say that? He didn't need to say that. Didn't need to, but he obviously decided he wanted to. Must be fun, you know what I mean? To occasionally just like bag your ex-employers like that. Like I've worked in some shitty jobs where I would love a public forum where I could just say how shitty the situation was and everybody would like talk about it all week. I can imagine how intoxicating that would be. It would be hard not to say shit like that all the time. And then you can't call us. Yeah, but it's... Yeah, it'd be a bit like guiling though. A dude who came in, played yeah. what two, three seasons, wasn't really part of the fabric of the club, just come in and pots them. It's like, well, you didn't get to know Harry Himmelberg and find out how funny he is and that he's a pretty good cook. I mean, I got to be honest with you, we didn't get to find out how funny he was from that fucking pocket profile either. But anyway, <laughs> um, I'm going to pick Richmond in this game because I think they look good. On oh, sorry, who are you picking? Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, I think Richmond, but I, I could see this as a danger game. Uh, Saturday, poor old North Melbourne, 17th on the ladder, uh, take on a resurgent Carlton who haven't actually won that many games that everyone seems to love. And again, let me just urge caution. Do not embrace this team without some pre-existing conditions. No fact, Cunnington. If you have pre-existing conditions, don't embrace anyone. <laughs> no Cunnington again, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Uh, no Cunnington, no North Melbourne. That's my policy. So uh, that's this has got to be a game that North Melbourne are also going to lose. Yeah, I mean, I just I thought they were so bad, but something something about the the way this is set up. There is so much love for Carlton right now, and you know they're the darlings of the media, and and 
North are the complete opposite. And this is the perfect opportunity for Crackers Keenan to make his big fucking like speech to come out when he bring, when he opens the tabernacle and brings out the Holy Grail. So I'm going to tip North in this game based purely on my belief that Crackers Keenan will pass around that cup and encourage all the warriors to take a deep whiff and get filled with the Zen mode of spirit. Uh, I'm tipping North and that's my lock of the week. I knew you were going to lock that. I could tell. Did you? By the way, we said at the start of this podcast, let's keep it to an hour because like, we wanted to record something else afterwards. And we're currently at an hour and fucking 20 at this point. And what I've realized about this show is, like, by not talking about football, it takes heaps longer to do this show. <laughs> Are you picking in that game? Um, in the North Melbourne game, no Cunnington, no North Melbourne. That's my, that's my okay. rule. All right, Sydney Swans take on Hawthorne in a must-win game for both. Uh, Sydney in a similar position to North. They don't look quite as dire. It's obvious that uh, Horse is playing the kids and just testing some things out this year. But Hawthorne, Hawthorne have invested in some uh, in some mature age recruits and they're just not going anywhere. And it's enough to make people question if Clarko should be there in a couple of years' time. Ridiculous. Uh, this is a perfect week for Clarko to get the boys up, though. He's been in the newspaper headlines. Yeah. Is he still a good coach? This is the typical game that, he, that comes out and, you know. Ha- what stunt will Clarko pull to get the boys over the line? Oh, exactly. Well, you don't remember that night in Canberra when it was snow. So where's this being played? Where's this game yeah. being played? Uh, SCG. SCG. Okay. You know what he does? Clarko's got to inspire the boys. So that night when it was snowing in Canberra and he just walked out there in the shirt, in the shorts and the short sleeves and, you know, it was just like a statement moment. He's got to do that about COVID. He's got to come out. <laughs> lick a railing. He's got to lick a railing. <laughs> he comes out at the start. He puts his tongue on the railing of the SCG and he just does a slow lap of the entire ground, licking the railing the entire way, and then they bounce the ball. Um, I'm going to pick... I'm going to pick Sydney in this game. Hawthorne for me. Saturday night, Port Adelaide, top of the ladder, take on St Kilda, who uh, broke their hoodoo by beating Adelaide in Adelaide. Never won at Adelaide Oval, haven't beaten um, Adelaide in the last 10 outings. Now, I'm going to make a controversial pick here. I'm normally gloom and doom and stuff. I get the feeling we're going to win this game. And I base that purely on the fact that Port Adelaide are coming off such a high that win was so huge. We going over to Adelaide, all we had to do was just win that game, just get over the hoodoo, get used to the flight from Noosa to Adelaide. We've done all that. I reckon we're going to be in a much better position when we come back. I reckon I reckon we could win this game. I'm picking the Saints. I just want to say also that uh, for the people at home who can't see this, I like the fact that you've picked up at some stage in this podcast a whiteboard marker. Charlie's in a little room and there's a whiteboard to the side of him and he's picked up the marker and now that you're talking about football, it really feels like we've crossed to you in some sort of strategy room and you're like moving stuff around the whiteboard and you've got all these theories. I love it. Um, I think that Port Adelaide are going to... This is the sort of game that Port Adelaide traditionally lose. I think they're going to win and prove that they are genuine premiership contender. On Sunday, the Crows take on the Bombers at Adelaide Oval. Uh, Bombers looking for revenge. Adelaide showed some improvement. Um, I reckon Bombers in this game. Yeah, Bombers. Although it wouldn't surprise me if the, if the Crows get up. Uh, over in Perth, <clears throat> the Eagles take on Collingwood. 
probably match of the round besides your game against the Gold Coast. Eighth versus third, resurgent Eagles. JJK back in form. Uh, Collingwood doing it without Dugowie. Um Backs against the wall. No, nah, they had their premiership favourites at the moment. You can't be, you can't be equally premiership favourites and backs against the wall, in my opinion. So I think that okay, is Eagles. the difference in this game. And I say the Eagles scare everybody. Everybody who's written off the Eagles, they're back at home. They're in front of a huge crowd. The Eagles play really good football again and suddenly everyone realises the Eagles are back in town. Uh, Demons taking on the Lions and what will be a really good game now that Melbourne's back into some kind of form. Um, I'm going to pick the Lions in that game. I think they're getting Me too. real good. I think they're going to be... They're definitely in the handful of teams that you'd say at this stage could could win it. Cam Rayner is... Uh, in the same way Petrucca's coming along, Cam Rayner is starting to show glimpses now as well. And the final match is the Dockers. Let's make special mention of the Dockers, Will. Our favourite players, um, Nat Fife, Michael Walters, the guy got tackled in the goal square, uh, George McFly, and the dude who kicked the winning goal, the, the first gamer who kicked the winning goal against the Saints two weeks ago. Uh, so who are the Dockers playing? Cats. Cats, probably, right? Well, I'm going to pick Frio as a little peace offering to those angered Fremantle supporters. Um, sorry didn't talk about your team more. We really do like them. To be honest, since Ross Lyons left, I've lost a little bit of interest in, in your team. But if they win on Sunday, on Monday, you'll, you'll win me back. How about that? I'll, I'll talk about the... If they win, I will talk about Frio for a good two minutes next week. And uh, they won't win, so that's fine. Good promise. <laughs> good empty promise to make. Uh, All right, that's the show for this week. We'll see you next week. Play on, not 15. Well, we are too 